1: This is the Cork Today
2: replay on C103. And lots of photographs in the papers today of snow and icy conditions and of course it's the weather yesterday. I mean initially it was the rain was causing some sporting events to be cancelled. I mean the Cork tip match in Porky Rim was called off but that the pitch was uh, waterlogged there. There was also, Galway were involved wasn't it? the... In a match that was to be held in Wexford, that was also called off. And Dublin Airport, at on one stage, was experiencing delays. But that was to do with the, the de icing of the planes by Ryanair, I think, appeared to be the main problem. But there was a lot of uh, flights delayed and uh, cancelled yesterday. And it's, it's funny that we got snow this weekend because last week, when we were talking about the wonderful mild weather that we'd been experiencing and how February was one of the mildest on wreck for 60 years or something, the lovely mild weather that we had. I mean, we had days last week where it went over 17 degrees Celsius and then people from Thursday on were saying, oh, this time last week, last year, we were stocking up on the bread because the beast from the east was on the way and everybody was sharing photographs on social media of what weather was like last year compared to this year. And, you know, there'll be photographs of a sunny day for this year and then last year the place under a blanket of snow. And funny, at the weekend when I was thinking about the beast from the east, uh, the young Jack O'Driscoll popped into my head because he was the young Cork lad who was involved in that awful incident that left Jack paralysed from the chest down. If I remember rightly, he was out taking photographs, wasn't it, with his dad? And he slipped and fell off of, sort of a very small wall. And he had a, like a devastating uh, accident where he is, where he broke his vertebrae and, of course, has left him now in a wheelchair and I was thinking of him on Saturday saying, God, this would have been the year to the day since his accident and wondering in my mind how he was getting on. Lo and behold, I pick up the Echo today and it's the new era for the Echo today for the first time. The Echo has now become a morning paper instead of an evening paper. And here is a photograph of Jack uh, and his family on the front page. And they had a wonderful event. It was a fundraising dinner dance at the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs for young Jack O'Driscoll. And a photograph of him along with his dad, Paul, his sister, Lorna, his mum, Deirdre and his grandmother, Eileen. And they all attended this fundraising a dinner dance at the weekend marking the one year anniversary I mean at at the moment according to the Echo Jack is still in a care facility in Mahan, Uh, however the plan is for Jack to come home to the family home and they're hoping that's going to happen over the next few weeks the finishing touches have been put to the house and hopefully Jack will be back at home and uh, this is a relative of the family was speaking to the Echo uh, saying that Saturday was a great night, great turnout Everybody really enjoyed themselves. Jack himself was delighted with how it, how it went. He was mad to do something to mark the anniversary and instead of staying in he wanted a big night out with his family and friends and that's certainly what he uh, got so we wish the very best of luck in the future to Jack O'Driscoll and hopefully within the coming weeks he will be back home and I think when he gets back home that will only aid and help with his uh, recovery 1850 John Paul taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862 103 103. Coming up on the programme today We are going to be asking the question and putting it out there. Should every single candidate running in the up and coming elections, we have local elections and European elections that are going to be happening in May of this year. Should they all go poster free? Decisions should be made now, even though some would probably say we're probably too late in March. They're probably already printing up uh, the posters. But could we get everyone to come together and say, OK, a lot of the posters that are used, it's a type of corrugated plastic. Now, in many cases, it's a single use. I'm assuming that some candidates try to get the posters back and reuse them. But of course, the weather will have an effect on some of the posters and possibly they won't be able to be uh, reused. So they could be a single use plastic. There's all the cable ties. They're certainly single use plastic that has to be used to tie them on to all of the polls. There's always a mixed reaction to election posters. I still hand on heart don't know if I've ever voted for somebody based on the fact that they had the most posters up. Are they were looking the nicest in their poster, and there was a lot of lovely airbrushing done. I don't know. Does it does it affect people? Um, I'm assuming that there must be research out there to say, yes, you do need to have these posters up. How many you need to have up? I don't know. Sometimes there just seems to be too many and they can really be a blight on the environment if you get a street or an area where every single space on the pole has been blitzed by posters. And what will happen is you'll get somebody who will be cute and they'll be out at a minute past midnight on the first day that they're allowed to put up posters and they'll grab all of the best posters. And then the next people doing the postering will arrive and they'll try to outdo that person and put up even more. And on and on and on it goes. And you can have a poll that could have four or five posters on it. And it can just, as, as the time goes on, it can just look a bit unsightly as well. And as a number of people are pointing out, because the elections for the locals and the Europeans are in May, it's also going to be the month when the Tidy Towns judges are out Doing their judging. And it's just a little bit unfair on the Tidy Towns Committee, who work so hard, particularly in those weeks leading up to judging, to make sure that their town or village is looking in tip top shape and to think they could lose points because of unsightly posters. That that just seems very, very unfair indeed. So, we spotted a campaign online, posterfree.ie and it's a nationwide campaign that's been started in Donegal to try to get all of the candidates, get everybody to sign up to it, all of the political parties, And all of the independents, everybody to say, OK, that's it. Let's draw a line under it. Let's get rid of posters. Let's stop them. Because if everybody stops it, then you're on a level playing pitch. But the problem is, if you can't get everybody to agree, then you're going to have candidates feeling, well, I have to do it because the other candidate is doing it and they'll have an unfair advantage over me. So we need everybody singing on the same hymn sheet. So I welcome your thoughts. Would you be encouraging candidates to sign up and say, yes, this is the way to go? Let all of the candidates decide we're not going to do to have posters anymore. I know a lot of the town councils. Well, town councillors are gone, county councils uh, and and areas towns, for example, will get together, and certainly tidy towns groups I know have approached candidates and asked them not to put up posters within a town or a village and a lot of people do respect that, but that's kind of it's a an unwritten kind of a gentleman 's agreement uh, is what it is to get people just to not sign to sign up to it to you know they they don't have to do it, but they do it and I know in West Cork, we did an interview not so long ago where we spoke where in West Cork it had been decided all, all of the I think all of the candidates got together and decided that in the main towns and villages they wouldn't put up posters but that's not to stop them putting up posters outside uh, the area. So your thoughts are to on that. We're going to speak with uh, Fiona Corkum from the Greater Chernobyl cause. She's just back from Russia her latest humanitarian trip. We'll see how that went and she's a fundraiser coming up that she is uh, wants to plug and hopefully get people to go along to and it's actually on next Friday, which is International Women's Day. And then after eleven, we will welcome Kevin Quaid and his lovely wife Helena to studio. We last spoke with Kevin in July of last year. He was just about to launch his book and his book was about his diagnosis with dementia and how he's been coping with that diagnosis since so you know, eight months on, uh, we're going to speak with Kevin as to how he's getting on and the reaction to the book. And he's also on um, an Alzheimer or on a YouTube channel run by the Alzheimer's Society where he's talking about his journey with, um, with dementia. He doesn't have Alzheimer's. He's a different type of uh, dementia. So we'll speak with Kevin on the programme today. And Kevin and his wife, Alina, trying to break down the stigma that can be around and the myths that can be around dementia and trying to get people to you know that if you know or hear about somebody with dementia to treat them as normal as, as you did before you heard that they had a dementia, a dementia uh, diagnosis so I look forward to chatting with Kevin uh, later on. Also we will have the Mayor of Cork County join us on the programme uh, because the nominations are the closing date for the nominations for this year year's Cork County County Mayor's Community Awards the closing date is Thursday so if there's somebody in your area I mentioned Tidy Towns Tidy Towns groups do wonderful work but if there's somebody in your area doing great voluntary work doing work for the community and that they deserve to be recognised there's so many people who quietly do work in our areas that we hear nothing about and and you'd often think oh wouldn't it be nice to recognise them and how do you recognise them these particular awards are a great way to recognise good charitable voluntary work that's going on in your area so we'll give you details if you know of somebody or if you're involved with a group yourself that you feel should be nominated we'll give you details of the nomination process uh, today and it is Monday so Annalise Driscoll from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic will join us in the final hour of the programme answering all of your nutritional questions throughout the morning get your nutritional questions in and we'll put them to Annalise later on David uh, has been on thank you David for your call when he heard me mention the and today uh, the first Echo newspaper, no longer an evening newspaper, it's a morning paper. David says, uh, just to let you know Patricia the Echo Boys are still out this morning selling the Echo and shouting Echo Echo on the streets. They're outside the GPO this morning. I was thinking that they'd have an earlier start than they normally would but good to know that the Echo Boys and the tradition of the Echo Boys is still alive and well even with it being a morning paper. A listener is looking for some help. This is a listener from the Bandon area. My husband was driving last Thursday on Market Street in Bandon. While stopped in traffic a car ran into the back of him. Now the driver of the car admitted straight away that he had hit the back of my husband's car but my husband was in shock and didn't look at his car properly and kind of said, oh sure just grand, it's only a tip, off you go, it's fine. And uh, therefore he didn't exchange any details, didn't take phone numbers, didn't take down details of the car and it all happened so quickly he doesn't even know they make a model of the car but it was only when our listener's husband got home that they realised there was a crack in the bumper it's a fibreglass bumper and the crack is getting bigger so obviously the bumper is going to have to be replaced so they are now putting out a call to see if the person who was responsible and who admitted there and then they were responsible so they're obviously decent people say yeah my fault but this gentleman thought that there was no damage done but the fact that somebody got out of a car and admitted responsibility you was Assume that they would be willing to pay for the damage. Um, if that person could make contact with us, we have the couple's telephone number. It would be great if we could just get it sorted that the person says, yeah, that was me. Put them in contact with the person. Pays to get the fibreglass bumper uh, fixed and away we go and everyone will be happy. Now, the they have been notified and they're now trying to do a troll through CCTV to see if there's any CCTV in the area uh, that would have picked up the incident. So that rings a bell. Can you make contact with us, please? 1850 333 103, so that we can exchange a numbers. And we 've also been asked to give a mention to the fact that there were a number of houses broken into in Kiskeme and Bohabbu on Saturday. Now I have no time on this or anything. It just says Saturday, so I don 't know if it 's morning afternoon or evening, but if anybody noticed any suspicious activity in the kiskame Bohabbu area, you're asked to please contact Mill Street, guard the station. They are investigating zero two nine seven triple zero two zero two nine seven triple zero two. Any suspicious activity in the Kiskeem-Bohabwe area last uh, Saturday. 1850 And I can see a number of people are already starting to comment on um, this call. For that's been. It's a plan that's been looked at by the government for convicted drink drivers would be able to get back behind the wheel of the car if they could prove in court that they need to be able to drive to work. We will talk about it a little bit more in the programme, but keep your thoughts coming in on it because the proposal, uh, while it isn't a suggestion from the Vintners Federation, but it certainly has been supported by the Vintners Federation. So your thoughts welcomed on that, and we will return uh, to that issue on um, the issue of posters and trying to stay poster free says why not allow all the candidates to just put up a certain amount of posters but limit the number of posters. The problem is the candidates simply put up too many posters. Would that be a way around it? Rather than ban them completely, just put up a certain amount of posters. Uh, could be a suggestion. Uh, Deborah and Mary Buckley made me smile. Mary says, I have an old poster that belonged to Anya Collins who was the former TD in the North Cork uh, area. It, she mislaid it during the last election, says Mary. I cut it four ways, I covered it with tinfoil and I now use it under my Christmas and birthday cakes like a stand see it's corrugated plastic They're quite, they are quite sturdy so Mary said she uses it under birthday cakes and Christmas cakes that I make every year recycling at its best I hope Anya doesn't mind uh, 1850 333 John Paul takes your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103
1: Flora Gelga, RC 103
3: Green Older School Green Gerard Older School and Geid for Anar Nadeg Shakhtunai Imalyaklia, is imor rugby a dimmer er earn the hirin, be she mar captain the hirin o gauvilas di gauvi sadoye. Dare turgaby on tim rugby is fair den. Dimmer she hain kids dahada hain clehi tostala, hain kids the chakra tree la er hera, goral say dahada shay u dare in civiling gau se hai. shay nashun e goju skull asanfeheshe udos goral taga. For all shei, Trukke Ulds, the Karn Heineken, on May this Mo a score fair air na Our For nea to Skolmar, Imroar and Tournament, a grave mortis, a shay na shun, a govy las a shay, govy las a shock, a govy las a nay. Herakish dock a Holland a lake rugby on down air, and shock to law day to sound, govy las a hinday. Being clea dernock a mortis, na shay na shun, a govy las a hinday, and clea dernock a dimmer shay, let and na shimta. Both Southern School, Ashdoran Aheran, Amy Huberman, and me eul, go away last day, and I'm going to talk to you again, and I'm going to talk to you again, and I'm going to talk to you again. I'm going to talk to you again,
1: and i This is the Court Today replay on C103.
2: Now an online campaign called PosterFree.ie is calling on all candidates to go posterfree.ie plastic-free during the upcoming local and European elections. One of those behind the campaign is Donegal-based councillor Seamus Maguire, who joins me. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thank you, you very much. Well, you're welcome. You are one of the country's newest councillors in that you only got co-opted last month to Donegal County Council. Would this be your first election campaign or have you campaigned before?
4: Well, I would have helped uh, John Campbell, who was the councillor who co-opted me into the seat. Uh 2014 I would have grown up and gone to school with John so I suppose I was previously involved in in election campaigns with John. Uh, I suppose this is my first uh, as a sitting councillor and hopefully to be re-elected at the end of May so yeah please God um, this will be a successful one. Uh,
2: The reason I ask that is that you know normally new candidates would feel they have to get their face and their name out there so surely the posters you're going to disadvantage yourself by calling for no posters.
4: Yeah, absolutely, Patricia. I suppose uh, I'm probably at a disadvantage myself by going with this, but I suppose the belief is that that this is an antiquated form of uh, electioneering, that we have obviously now more modern methods of getting our message out there uh, with social media and probably with the more traditional um, forms in terms of radio and newspaper and basically uh, getting the feet out and getting uh, your face out in front of... Uh, the electorate with uh, canvassing on the doorsteps. I think that's probably the most important way we can get our message out there is to meet the people and to explain what, our, what are what we're running on and what our issues are and what we're going to, what we're going to fight for in terms of our locality. You know, I think that's that's what what's most important. I mean, but, but you know, why why are you so
2: against it, the election posters?
4: Well, it's it's really down to the issue of single use plastic that I that I'm most against. I mean, our children, are, in fairness, are leading the way in this. There's a climate change campaign going on. A lot of the schools will be involved. I'm a teacher myself. Um, a lot of the national schools and secondary school children are leading out and it's calling for what is the last generation who can possibly do something about this. Um, uh, as I say, I'm a teacher, I stand front of the kids every day, tell them about doing their research, about finding out about the environment, about finding out about the importance of what we're doing negatively to the environment. And I'm also a parent, so I have two young children, and I mean, it's really scary when you consider the damage we're doing. Uh, I'm also involved in a coastal rowing club. There's a lot of coastal rowing clubs in Cork that I know of well, the people involved there. We go out on a yearly basis and we do shoreline cleanups. Every year for the last 10 years, we've been picking single-use plastic out of the ocean, and that's just what washes up on the shore. We know about what's happening to uh, the sea life in terms of animals and mammals that have been washed up when they've been... I suppose they accepted and examined, that they found the plastic in them. And unfortunately, these microplastics were even finding them in humans now. So, th- this this is a serious issue. I, I think it's a, it's a huge issue. The one thing we can do as elected uh, elected candidates is reduce our our dependence and our use of plastic. And I mean, any survey that's been done locally or nationally has, has shown that. Seventy to ninety percent of the population do not want plastic posters put up. Yeah, yeah, you know. The yeah, 90, yeah, 50,
2: and, and the other thing is,
4: they're not. These posters are not cheap. These posters are not cheap. I mean, we went back and looked at the twenty fourteen uh, election. We looked at over two thousand candidates for eight hundred seats in and around, and three million spent. Now, what could we do with three million euro in terms of environmental initiatives? In terms of education instead of spending spending it on a single-use plastic, that will only end up in landfill. The only place this can go is landfill where it will stay for 400 years plus before it degrades. So, I mean, I I just think if if we really are representative of the people and we're going out there representing the people, the one thing a a sitting councillor or a new candidate can do is say, look, I am fundamentally not going to use single-use plastic. I'm sure there are alternatives. I'm a woodwork teacher by trade. Uh, you know, if we go back and look to the foundation of the state in, the, in around the 1920s, I'm sure our forefathers weren't using plastic posters to get their image and they get their message across. I'm sure they were using some wood-based substrate and, you know, pasting a poster onto it. There are more economical uh, and environmentally friendly ways to go about this. And uh, I think in this day and age, surely there's better ways to get our message What
2: reaction are you getting to your campaign, Seamus?
4: Well, you can probably see from the poster we have about, we're going to hit probably 100,000 villages. The, the, real, the real effect we're having is that the tiny towns uh, yeah. committees are really getting behind this. And I mean, I know in Donegal Town, I spoke at the very beginning, and there, the leader of Donegal Town, who's says, the, the single use posters is one issue, but the cable ties is another. And, and we know from the shoreline cleanups,
5: you get a lot of
4: the cable ties, you get a lot of the posters that are blown off. But I think the tiny towns, Really positive, you know, initiatives in our towns and villages. They've got a hundred percent behind this, and and they want to see it. I mean, I don't think it's asking much. If if everyone like, there are twenty candidates in my municipal district for six seats. Now, if each of those twenty candidates buy three hundred posters, I mean, it's it's a ridiculous amount of plastic that's only going to end up in landfill. And and I think if everyone signs up to it. It's a very positive
2: campaign. then. Like Yeah, you know. and it puts everybody on a level playing pitch. I'm going to let you go, Seamus, because I want to bring in a local candidate who really agrees with you. But your line isn't great, so I don't want to put two people on together. But thank you for that. And uh, no people can, can check out more on uh, Seamus's posterfree.ie. But I want to bring in John Manway mother, Yvonne Cahalan, who's also a first-time candidate uh, in the upcoming local elections. Good morning to you, Yvonne. Morning. And uh, you feel you feel the very same as Seamus. Even though, as I put to Seamus, you are a first-time candidate, and you could be disadvantaging yourself by not having posters.
6: Absolutely. Which is which is the problem, and it, it's it's why I think nobody is doing it independently, elect. one by one. It's not going to be a domino effect. You're going. It is a competition. Everyone wants to get elected, and if they don't, and there another candidate does they're at a disadvantage so that's why it's not happening this is the greatest thing ever if everybody signs up to it there will be no posters so yeah i think And it's have advantage.
2: you mentioned it to other candidates who are running in West Cork?
6: Yes i have um yeah I, I even have some of some of my fellow candidates they don't want to do posters but again it's the situation of it needs to be uniformed it needs to be all or nothing and uh, everyone needs to get get on board with this there's so many different issues, you know, that really the focus should be on environment and climate change. But I mean they're an eyesore. You know, I'm on I'm on the board with Minternateer. So for the tidy towns and pride of our community, pride in our community, we, we've already addressed this and trying to time competitions and trying to time judging around the elections. And I'm I'm a part of this issue. So I've brought it up with with um the board members from Mintir as well. And it is a problem for Tidy Towns. It is, absolutely. The cable ties, everything, uh, you know, it is a problem.
2: And the single-use plastic. I mean, I, I'm assuming some of the candidates will say, re- you can reuse some of them. Yeah, and, and, and I take it some of them are reused, but others are not. Others will end up in landfill. But the cable ties that tie up the posters are definitely single-use plastic.
6: Well, like, yes, OK, the cable ties. So I done a poll. And I wanted the feedback. I wanted to hear what the people in my area, and there were people in, in many other areas of the city, even that got involved. It, it, it was over 800 people that actually got involved talking in it. But 64% wanted none. Now the 36% that wanted less. um... They, they focused on issues like biodegradable cable ties. They've, they had huge issues with loads of cable ties left on the, on the poles. Uh, people focused on visual impairment when they're driving, um, but they're, they're not able to see around the placement of some of these posters. Um, there was lots of things. The Tidy Towns was, was another thing. Uh, there, there are other means. I mean, if you are, if you are to use less, then that, that should be the minimum of what should be done if everybody agrees to at least use less use recyclable material, use biodegradable cable ties. Um but it it would be it would be amazing to just see the end of them. I mean it, it's I, all we're in a
2: really different uh, you know, I think Councillor Seamus McGrath, who was on the on the line there a couple of minutes ago from Donegal, we we we're in a completely different era. I mean we have social media.
6: There's lots if of ways for people to
2: get their names out there.
6: And yourself, if everyone is is able to chat with you, the radio, the the papers, the advertising But, I mean, people have brought up the flyers that they should be scrapped as well. Not everybody is going to be on social media and you have to consider that they're entitled to an informed decision of who they're voting for as well. And, I I mean, really, I think door to door and getting to meet everybody and hear their issues, that's the way to go.
2: But it's impossible to get to every house.
6: It's not. And that's that's where that's where the leaflets and the information comes in. I mean, I, I really think it is something that has to just be evolved. I mean, it, it went from, you know, the candidate standing on the milk crate after yeah. mass, yeah. to the megaphone. I, Somebody's I suggesting
2: is... we should go back to that. Actually, I can see some calls coming
6: <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. maybe, yeah, maybe, um, yeah. Look, there there are recyclable materials, and I think it it is something that should be the absolute minimum. Mm. Um, if it's something that has to be done, I personally never liked them. I never liked them as a voter and as a candidate. I understand the value of them. If you're has your has your picture chances, been
2: taken for it already? No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, what um, about West Cork councillors? Cause, and we did bring this up on the program a couple of weeks ago. They voted not to erect posters near towns and villages. Is that enough?
6: Um. Are you are you are you getting everybody in that? I mean, well, so it's a kind of a gentleman's agreement. That's what it. That's what should be be there. The voluntary basis that all candidates agree on: no posters, all or nothing. In the in the UK, their model is not like ours at all. They don't have posters up on on poles and walls. They have either representatives or they have supporters put them on their private property, on their windows, things like that. In France, France is the model, really. France is the model. They they have designated areas where all the posters are. You're informed. You have every single candidate that you can choose from in one location and it's not cluttering up. It's not affecting towns, tidy, litter, environment, anything like that. Great and idea. If, if we could do that, that would be fantastic.
7: Great
2: idea. Yeah. And you wouldn't need to be buying as many of these posters either by doing Absolutely. it by, by doing it that flyers, way.
6: Absolutely. Even the flyers. If everyone put, put on their information on on one booklet, on one leaflet. Everybody has everyone that they can choose from in one place, and you're not wasting time and money on printing, on delivery. Uh, you know, it's it's all there. They have an informed choice. Okay. I, yeah. All right. And
2: uh, first time candidate, how how how's it going for you? I'm loving it. How are you
6: are being yeah. awesome? Yeah, yeah, I'm loving it. I'm and are really you out canvassing? Um, yes, <laughs> softly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think uh, every all my other colleagues have been out much sooner um, in in Dublin in the cities, um, but yeah, I'll be I'll be out now. Hopefully this evening now as well. So that should be the start of it.
2: Okay, and and I can't have you on without asking. Uh, how are the boys and how's Tristan doing?
6: They're awesome. Yeah, um, Tristan. He's got a cold at the minute, but he is doing amazingly. He's gotten a new script, so he was kind of going low on his dose and uh, we got a new script uh, adapted for his, his weight and height and he is just absolutely thriving again. So, yeah, he's doing amazingly.
2: amazingly. Oh, obviously his prescription will change as he grows.
6: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I think it changes actually a little bit more often with, with medical cannabis than it would for the AEDs, for your, your typical pharmaceutical drug that changes yeah. a little bit more often and you need a little bit of tweaking in there. But um, yeah, he had, he had gone a bit low and we had seen a few, a few seizures that lasted a bit longer than he typically had. But he's back to, you know, no, no seizures at the moment, which Brilliant. is really well, but back to a 40-second maximum. So he's doing fantastic.
2: OK, yeah. long may that continue. We'll talk again, yeah. Yvonne, in the meantime. Thank you for that. Lovely, And thanks Thank you uh, for much. joining us. Some of the comments in France says on election posters, they are a scourge on the landscape. I applaud any politician who refrains from uh, using them. That's from uh, Fran. Damien says there should be no need for posters in this day and age with all of the other media outlets. Lots of ways for people to get their name and their message out there. And William is saying why not go back to the old style way of canvassing. Tell them to earn their votes. Get out and meet the communities. Debate in front of communities. Maybe go back to the old soapbox way of getting up and speaking to the media. Do you remember that outside of Mass used to be the famous one where they would be standing up on the back of an open open open-sided lorry would be and they'd, they'd be there with the megaphone and a large group of people would gather around and people did get to hear what the various politicians had to say should we nothing wrong with it and certainly from an environmental point of view it's good for the environment. Now the Greater Chernobyl Cause which is a Cork-based charity they're striving to transform the desperate lives of abandoned children and to ease the suffering of the old and the infirm in Kazakhstan, Ukraine and Russia having just returned from their first humanitarian trip of uh, 2019. Fiona Corkham, the founder of the charity, joins me to promote a special lunch which will be held next Friday which of course is International Women's Day. Good morning to Fiona. Good morning. and, good and, and you this I'm, I, well I'm I'm well and, and welcome okay. home. Is there always Thanks. a sense of sadness when you come back from these trips? Saying goodbye can always be so hard.
8: It's so hard, hard. It's the kind of sadness and the desperation of your heart you're knowing your little people behind, you know, for another few months. But I'm saying that our charity is financing the operation of a hospice now in even in Russia. One project alone is costing us 53,000. But we must remember that we initially found the elderly people in the winter of the life, like, you know, forgotten by state and forgotten by family, surviving on four cents per day per person you know, and the conditions initially were absolutely shocking. You know, the basic hygiene, you know, and their future was really in jeopardy and it was basically condemning patients to a prospect of a slow and kind of a painful death. But since 2010, like, our charity has been in a position to help the people, you know, it's hard coming back. But we're back again, of course, and, like, fundraising and the event on uh, this coming Friday is a very important um, luncheon, actually, to once again raise funds for these forgotten elderly
2: people, and it's when you say it's a hospice, mm-hmm. is it is it run? Is it is it palliative care that you offer? Um, it's, both. It's, it's actually okay.
7: both. It's
8: actually both is actually for the for the elderly for the forgotten for those that are actually stuff suffering from from cancer related illnesses they were living in the locality and unfortunately ended up being homeless and um, so this particular home or whatever is it's it's their only lifeline to be honest with you and at least they can die you know with dignity
2: Absolutely. And for instance and how many how many elderly people will be there
8: 20 well there was 23 but sadly one passed away whilst we were actually in in Russia which was very sad as you can
2: imagine but that that place will be filled this week.
8: Yeah, Straight I mean. away, straight away that bed will be taken, you know.
2: And are, are so many of these, have they no family of their own? No, or? no. In
8: fact, they, The majority wouldn't have families, those that have families are forgotten, forgotten by the families. And, and again, you know, it, it's maybe that the, the families aren't in a position to take care of them, that they don't actually have the money themselves, or perhaps that they're actually forgotten and just left there.
2: And you say to, to run this hospice with these uh, 20 patients, uh, up to 23 at any one time, how much a year does that cost? We we fund 53,000.
8: So we pay, our organisation pay 53,000. In and the scheme
2: of things, not a lot, a lot of, you know, it's not a lot of money when no. you think of how it's much hospitals cost here. Yeah. But, people. you know, I mean, that's a lot of fundraising for you to do, but mm-hmm. that 50 odd thousand goes so far. It does. And yeah. every
8: cent that we raise will have obviously, you know, go directly to the cause. Now, local government, of course, are involved um, in finance as well with the home. But we must come up. And remember, that's one project alone, 53,000, which is difficult, as you can imagine. That's why our fundraising, like the days of the corporate donations are actually, as I'd say, with O'Leary in the grave, they're in the past. So, you know, we're dependent on our backpacks throughout the country, our street collections, our lunches, our auctions, our coffee morning, so we're appealing to people to come on board in any way. We have a wonderful shop in Merchants Quay, second floor in Merchants Quay. Very lucky we have that uh, unit free gratis. We don't pay rent, we don't pay the rates there, It's absolutely great. And everything we're selling is new. So if anybody out there has any items that they might be in a position to donate, or perhaps maybe to volunteer, you know, for an hour or two, we'd be very, very grateful. It's our only way of making money.
2: Yeah, and are you seeing improvements? I mean, will there always be a great need? There's always that need. There's
8: always that need. Because we're in Kazakhstan as well, you know. We started off many years ago with the baby. In fact, 20 years ago this year, we brought a little baby to Ireland for medical intervention and he became the catalyst for our work in Kazakhstan. And we moved from the baby home to the home where the children will go at the age of five, then they'll leave at 18, then to the next home, and then the elderly. So we follow the circle. So no matter what, there's always a need. we went to Ivan Schole, myself and Paul O'Connell, another volunteer. Now last week, um, you know, immediately they brought us to show us there's a situation with the roof. Dead, the roof needs to be repaired. Then there's another problem with the bathrooms. So, besides the fifty-three thousand that we're investing every year, there's always something else, and there's more money needed. So, which is very hard.
2: And they get very severe winters.
8: Very severe. Minus 15 when I was there. The coldest I've ever experienced was minus 43. That was in Kazakhstan a number of years ago. Now think about minus 25 as the inside of a freezer. So minus... 20 or well, minus, excuse me, minus 43. Can you imagine that?
2: Incredible. And I mean, we 35. know when we were the beast from these last year and it went to yeah. minus 15. And, minus we, and 15, we thought, you know, yeah, we
8: were, and everything stopped. But remember, in these countries, everything goes on. Only once in my 20 odd years, actually working in these countries, only once have I ever seen, we say, like airports closing, they just actually get on with it, you know?
2: Okay, tell us about uh, Friday and your lunch in uh, Foto
7: sure. Island.
8: Yeah, International Women's Day lunch. We're coming together, celebrating International Women's Day in Fort Island Golf Resort, and the event is starting at twelve thirty pm. Now, there's a champagne reception, wine, and um, obviously the lunch, and wonderful, good um, gift bags. And the cost is just like forty five euros. There's an auction on the day and a great raffle. It's a beautiful day. We have it actually every year now for the last number of years, and it's a way of, like I suppose, women coming together and actually celebrating celebrating the spirit of women everywhere and the constant efforts to form a more kind of just and charitable world. So I'm asking your people to come together. Please, you know, please do come and support us.
2: And it's a nice lunch and it's a nice day for, I think it's a nice day for the ladies to get together International Women's Day. is lovely. It's always such a great So when will you go back again, Fiona? Back again now. Um, I'm
8: thinking back, it will be the end of June, start of July. Because remember, every three months we have to come up with this is like thirteen and a half thousand, and that's as if for one one project alone. But I, you know, I'd like to give thanks to all our volunteers. Who without them we cannot survive, and especially to our friend Paul O'Connell, who came out on this trip. Paul is actually from um, the Lock here in Cork City, and on the last occasion he renovated the um, the laundry unit and brought back into the twenty first century, which we're very grateful for. And on this occasion, he actually made cabinets and wardrobes and lockers for each person. Can you imagine that? Oh, that's wow. wonderful. Yeah. And Paul is great and um, Paul actually is Dragon Den winner. He's got um flu pot plug. It's a plug for the top of a chimney. So to give him a little plug there <laughs> and the hardware shops or whatever are the builder providers do support him as well because you know we want to support our people as well. You know, yeah, yeah that's
7: what support. it's about. We'll give up. Give
8: up two weeks. That's a lot to give up two
2: weeks to go is. out there. It you is. know, to go out there. So people for your tickets for Friday can <laughs> be purchased where? Ourselves by
8: contacting myself on 087 Nine five three six one three three, and a wonderful day is
2: guaranteed with the fantastic Fiona Kennedy, who will be performing. She's on brilliant. She's you know brilliant. Fiona. She's brilliant. And She's there's lunch, and again, wine, there's a great and gift packs. Okay, listen, have enjoy it as well, because it's, it's a lovely, enjoyable aft- afternoon, uh, uh, Fiona. You, thank you. And thanks a million for joining us on the no, programme today. Thank you very much indeed for the opportunity. Good morning, bye. Gia. Bye.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: On posters and postering and poster free and this campaign to try to get all of the candidates to move away from posters, particularly posters that have the corrugated plastic that's used by the majority of people. Texter says, Hi, I'm... Oh, it's John Denine. Thank you, John. Hi, I'm John Denine, Fine candidate in the Bantry local election area and I agree with Yvonne Cahalan uh, who joined you in the last hour. There should be no posters. If all candidates could agree in the Bantry area, I'd be only too delighted. And our tidy towns committee in our town and villages uh, need to be respected. And that's from John Denine, Fine candidate in Bantry. Thank you, John, for that. Tim says, I agree with no posters on poles, but I could tolerate them on walls. There can be confusion as constituency and electoral area boundaries change. And then you also have boundaries that are very close to each other. For example, you go a little out the Mallow Road and you're in Cork North Central And then that lend, and then the Cork East constituency will begin. West of Mallow, Cork Northwest will begin. The recent changes in local electoral areas are also confusing, and posters might be informative. Pity that I have great pity for the people north of Mitchellstown, where they can be in Cork, Limerick, and in Tipperary. In a strong easterly wind, a Matty McGrath poster. Could be found in the, in the square in Mitchelstown, says uh, Tim. Yeah, they are an area that's really at the crossroads. That's for sure. Uh, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. So the majority of people contacting us, I have to say, very much agreeing with the whole notion of getting rid of these posters. There's just simply too many of them. John and Charleville said, "I'd be all in favour of election. I would be in favour of election posters, but you cannot beat the visual impact." there would be some people running in local elections and I would not know them. So if you have a photograph, you know them or you will know them in the area. I cannot see a complete blanket ban on them as it would have to come from government down to have it make a ban like that work. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, that's the point that the candidates, I mean, certainly for Yvonne, who is running first time, uh, and also Seamus Maguire, the Councillor from Donegal who's behind the campaign. He's a first-timer as well. I mean, I think any of the first-timers would be at a distinct disadvantage if they didn't push posters up. But the the idea from the environmental point of view, if everybody together said, no, we're not going to have any more, uh, and that would be it. And as you know, one of our previous callers, William, said, go back to the old-fashioned way of canvassing and get out and press the flesh and Get up on back up on the soapboxes and on the the back of trailers and start talking to people again. Is is that a way to do it? We've got a C103 um, poll running on our Twitter feed where we're asking the question: Do people want poster-free towns and villages ahead of the elections? Before eleven, the result on that Twitter poll uh, was seventy-four percent say yes. They want poster free and 24% say no, they like the idea of the uh, posters. And let's have sympathy for people living in and around the Galties this morning. We've had some calls in to say some of our listeners are under five feet of snow in parts of the Galaties. There was a lot of snow fell on higher ground, that is uh, for sure. Posters, just back on posters. Posters on every pole is simply a distraction to drivers. Why not have one local notice board and let them draw lots for positions. And I think Seamus Maguire and his, the idea that he has seen and heard about in France, they've got it nailed. And there was a time where there was posters on all the polls in France. They got rid of them all. And there's that every single town and village has a designated area, like in the town square there's a big board that goes up and everyone's allowed the same amount of space and you put your poster up and I suppose whatever details you want to put up with your poster like some kind of a flyer and I take it it's probably in behind some kind of plastic glass covering so you know the weather won't get to it and then and everyone is on the level playing field because Nobody's allowed any more space than any of the other candidates, that's certainly. But again, as was said by a previous texter, it's going to have to come from the top down. That's a decision that's going to be, have to be made at government level. Now, some WhatsApps into oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Morning, Patricia. Just a query. As to where is common sense and the bit in give and take gone in this country. I was in Connachilty on the evening of the 14th of February, Valentine's Night. I was driving up the main street and I received a phone call. I pulled in to answer the phone call, which only lasted two minutes. As I was parked, I decided I'd pop out of the car and run to the ATM, which was only a few yards away. As I got out of my car, I met a member of Vanguard the Sheer Corner who said, the back half of your car is parked on a disabled parking space. I apologised, said didn't realise it. I'd only pulled in to take a phone call, so I moved the car straight away. Total amount of time I was parked on the spot was about three minutes. The guard thanked me for moving the car and wished me a safe journey. Now, you know what's coming next, don't you? Eight days later, I received a fixed notice parking fine from the Guardee for €150. He'd obviously taken my registration plate as I moved off. 50 euro per minute to take a, f- a phone call. It's a great source of revenue and a very expensive phone call for you. Oh, that's... Ugh. Yeah, where's, where's give and take in that? Now, I know the guardie will argue you were half the car, was on a disabled space. But in fairness, as soon as it was pointed out to the gentleman, he moved. And, you know, said, sorry, didn't realise it, pulled in because when I was reading the text initially I thought you were going to say you got pulled in for answering the call but you did everything right in that you didn't take the phone call while you were driving and I suppose like that the phone rings oh there's a parking space pull in and of course you're looking ahead rather than behind unaware that the back half of the car back wheel of the car was on the disabled parking space <sighs> I see, I, I would, I, I certainly would be no good as a member from Garda Shea Call. I, I would have let you go. I, I I. certainly wouldn't have given you a parking ticket for that. If you had argued the toss and said, I'm only going to be a minute, I'm running over to the ATM machine, I'd have given you a parking ticket. But as soon as it was pointed out, the error that you had made, you moved the car. So I, I would have thought a bit of a bit of give and take. And you know what also I don't like about this particular incident is the fact that the Garda said thanks, well done, safe journey and then decides to fill out the ticket. I mean even if they had there and then said I'm issuing you with a ticket because you are parked, half parked but you're still parked on a disabled bay we know the frustration of people parking in disabled parking spaces and deliberately parking there and leaving the car and then a disabled driver not being able to get a parking space and driving around the town and in some cases we've heard of people have had to go home because they couldn't get the space and I'm a huge advocate of against people parking in disabled parking spaces but honestly reading your text I think a bit of common sense I, I, I personally know maybe I'm wrong maybe others will disagree with me so we'll we'll give it out there to see how do others feel was the member of Shia corner right the man was parked half on a disabled parking space even if he says it was a mistake and he didn't realise it he should have realised it when people see it like that he parked the car but obviously he was parking the car thinking of to get to the phone to take the phone call but, you know, but as soon as it was pointed out to him, he, he, move, he moved off. Do we need a bit of common sense and a bit of give and take? I would welcome your thoughts on that because I know traditionally when I mention somebody parked illegally on a disabled parking space, we will have 100% of people saying you were wrong, you were wrong, you were wrong. And I'd be, I would be in that queue normally. But I'm just not in that queue today. I just think it's wrong. I just think, you know, and Valentine's Day. And well, not that Valentine's Day has anything to do with it uh, at all, but at least tell the man that you're you're going to give him. That was a happy surprise to get eight days le- later. Your thoughts welcomed on that, please eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. And on the drink driving plans, just to just to update you on this, convicted drink dr- drivers could be allowed to get back behind the wheel of the car. This is a plan that the government are looking at. The exemption now obviously is going to be met with fierce criticism by road safety advocates and we're already getting criticism into the programme here this morning. I can see from calls and comments coming in. It's been examined by the junior transport minister Brendan Griffin. Brendan Griffin has requested his officials to look at a similar model that's in place in New Zealand where banned drivers can apply to get what's called a limited licence back. If they can prove that being off the road causes them extreme hard, hardship and could actually go on to prevent them from earning a living. If they can prove to the courts I need my licence to get to and from work or I need my licence, it's part of the job that I do. Then they can go back to the courts and apply and get this, what's called a limited licence in uh, New Zealand. Uh, Bernard Griffin was speaking yesterday in the Sunday Business Post, and he said he's asked the officials to come back, and he's happy to consider and take a look at the uh, proposals. Now, if introduced here, the plan would allow drink drivers to travel to and from work or during their working day, but that would be it. It would be a limited uh, licence. We're told it would also be possible to be considered for motorists close to the drink driving uh, lim- limit uh, and obviously the legislation would mean drivers who are found over the limit between 50 and 80 milligrams, the lower level. Uh, uh, the new laws that came in before Christmas means they're off the road for, for three months and a fine of 200 euros so it would particularly be aimed at uh, people uh, who fall into that category. Um, so it's been looked at, it's been looked at at the moment and then the vintners federation obviously they came out of the weekend they said they would support moves to lessen the blow of the drink-driving conviction. A spokesperson for the Vintners said, given the successful implementation of the new law in other jurisdictions, the Vintners support the call for limited licences to be introduced in uh, Ireland. And since the introduction of the changes, actually those changes came in last October, along with the extra the checkpoints, the Vintners Federation feel that people in rural Ireland are particularly under siege to the extent that many of them are scared to go to the pub and a lot of people are getting very very nervous about driving the next uh, day. So this they feel would be a way around that. We have a lot of uh, calls coming in on this. Let me go to some of your thoughts on it. A lot of people so far I can feel are against it including John. John says I feel the vintners need to stay out of this one. Why are they lobbying the government if they are watering down the drink driving laws? Where does it end? Does it mean that the learner driver laws will also be watered down. Leave things as they are. Less people will be killed on the road with the stricter rules and regulations. Uh, so the Vintners Federation should have nothing at all to do with this. Dermot said, Why reward criminality? If you depend on your license for work, then you are a dim wit if you go out and drink and drive. Also, how in God's name will it be enforced? Um, it is, it, the laws as they stand are right. Anyway, would the person be able to afford to drive? If they got caught drink driving, even if they were given this limited license, surely their insurance would go sky high. So don't drink and drive simple as. And Dennis says, Patricia, the Vintners Federation of Ireland must be as high as kites as they, that they could even back. a a proposal like this. What kind of a deterrent is there? If you're caught drinking and driving and then all you have to say in court is I lose my job if I can't drive the response should be um, thorough, no oh I'm sorry here you can have your licence back and on your way come on the Federation of Ireland they should not be backing something like this they should instead be backing something like breathalyser locks for all cars to ensure that people don't drink and drive Since soon as they get into the car the car won't move that would be a way of uh, saving uh, lives there's got to be consequences to your action and if this legislation is passed it's just watering down the consequences and just one final one Patricia I don't drink but I don't think any driver should lose their licence. Okay. Penalty points or a hefty fine is enough and scale up the fine according to the pocket. That is the way to go says and that's from a listener who doesn't drink who feels that the penalties at the moment in the three months off the road are literally too severe. Okay I want to go back to my parking on the wheelchair uh, space. Pat is in uh, Bandon. Uh, Good morning Pat
4: Good morning.
2: Uh, you, were li- um, you were listening to the man who got the ticket for parked, half parked on the disabled parking space? Yes.
4: I said that he should stay parked there if the guard hadn't come along. And that, that at any instant, a person can come along with a disabled parking just can leave to park there.
2: But we should not have sympathy for him that he didn't deliberately do it? He pulls in I, not realising that the back half of the car was on the disabled bay. He didn't park into yeah, the bay. Well,
4: yeah, I suppose he's talking about uh, about using the phone and we're driving as well because we haven't full concentration on where we're going. i just tell you that, you know, I think he took a phone call, so he moved in, mm. and uh, I think they're, they're there for the people, and he just stayed there. We don't know how long phone calls can take, five, ten minutes.
2: Well, he said he, said he said two minutes. Okay, so I accept that, that he probably was concentrating on, oh, I need to take this call, so he wasn't looking. That's how he didn't spot the disabled parking space. But do you think that the guard should have told him there'll be a fine in the post?
4: Um probably should, yeah. yeah. Probably should have told him that yeah. Yeah. But, Not... uh but it's just a bit as well about people on, on phones and the distraction they can be and they're driving. Yeah, you know?
7: yeah,
2: yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right, Pat, thank you for that. And thanks thank for joining us. Uh, Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three Lines open. c 103 Jobs. Taxi Hackney driver Wanted for a school run Approximately two hours Morning and evening Weekend work is also available Wanted experienced excavator driver This is in the McCroom area For civil works and a full-time and part-time healthcare assistant is required for Brookfield Care Centre in Leam Lara. And a childminder wanted to look after two babies, Mondays and Tuesdays, and it's in the baby's home in the Fremont area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c 103ie Forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, last July, my next guest joined me in studio in advance of his book la- launch, Louis Body Dementia, Survival and Me. It's the story of Kevin Quaid's journey following his diagnosis with dementia at the age of 53. He rejoins me along with his wife, uh, Helena. Good morning to you all. Morning. And you're all Good very morning, welcome. Uh, you're looking fantastic, can, can I say? Straight off. And last July, when you sat in that same seat and, w- and we were talking, you were nervous for the book launch. You were a bit nervous not knowing what way it was going to go. There's been a massive reaction to the book.
9: Um, nothing my wildest dreams I've ever imagined, ever imagined as late as uh, as January. Uh, the Alzheimer's Society in Australia have seven different centres and it's going to the library in the seven of them. But I suppose the most satisfying thing is it's never going to be a bestseller. There are thousands of books out there. The most satisfying thing is on a weekly basis someone emails me and tells me how good it's been. Yeah. For them. Yeah. That to me is it's worth gold because I didn't know the response, you see, and as I had said the last time, I was the first patient to write a book on it, so I had no idea the response from it. But now you won't believe this. Um, i got a love of writing and I write for the Veil Star and the Malastar. Star Thanks, indeed, to, thanks yeah. to Mike began every every week. I love writing and over the past, I suppose since the book launch really, there have been a number of articles that were particularly nice articles and people have asked me, uh, you know, how am I doing? And I've got emails know so how am I doing? Believe this or not, book two is underway. Is it? That doesn't it's surprise me. as in from where we left off. Yeah, up to now, because when I was here last, I would definitely have been on the mild spectrum as far as Louis body dementia is concerned. I'd be hitting moderate at the moment. Okay. And um, it's important to get that out. But the, the next book would be pretty much more a kind of about dementia in general and about the people I've met and what I've witnessed. And um, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland saved my life. No question about that. There is absolutely no question about that. My own doctor put me in touch with Amy Murphy here in Mallow, in the memory room. Mm. She's a Southern Dementia Advisor. She put me in touch with the Alzheimer's Society of mm. Ireland. And slowly but surely, the workload is after growing with them. And they as I have something to do, I feel great.
2: Because it would have been so easy to have just closed the front door and have said, I've got dementia and you also have Parkinson's. Mm. It would have been... The easiest option?
9: It would have been the easiest option, but for me it would have been very, very stupid because yeah. I would now be in a care home facility. There is no question. Because I even find days at home that I'm bored, that I have nothing to do, my head takes over, and queer thoughts and hallucinations are worse um, when I'm idle. Night times are still bad, night times, to be honest, you're getting a little bit worse.
2: That's part of the, it just, is, just yeah. to remind listeners, the because every uh, all dementias are different, which Completely, again yeah. is a thing that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. I had never heard of Lewy Body until your book arrived. Um, and I think a lot of people that I've said it to had never heard yeah. about, it, about it before. And I'm sure that's one of the things that you are getting. And it is quite rare as well. And it is a tendency to, to hit younger people like yourself.
9: The funny thing about it is... Um, when I heard of it first, like that, I had never heard of it, but slowly but surely it's creeping up the ladder in popularity. The amount of people that have it yeah. is becoming more and more and more. Probably because diagnosis is uh, Yeah, I better. think the death yeah. scan was um, a big thing. In You see, the fact before you had to die and then do the post mortem and they'd say, yeah, uh, that guy had Lewy body dementia, like Robin Williams. Mm. But it's a small bit late, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think now with the with the early diagnosis and the work that's going on the work on the ground that's going on here in Ireland, I can tell you now, from the Alzheimer's society down is phenomenal. You have no idea the groundwork. I'll just give an example of last week alone, right? I had a guy down from UCD doing research on what it was like to be a patient in hospital in the way I was treated. Okay. And I, I had to give my story, a personal story. Yeah. Accident and emergency, cruel and chronic, I don't know how the staff worked there. But when I got in, it was a total opposite, completely utterly. Yeah. We were in Kinsale, in the College in conceal on Monday, uh, Liz Moynihan, she's the head lady there. And uh, she's actually a sister of Michael's in Kentork. Michael Moynihan, Michael yeah. who's yeah. organising for us to meet with the community council uh, to get Kentork Dementia Friendly. Another guy in Kentork, Timmy Lynch, I met him Friday. The people in Kentork are simply amazing. Which is I, where you live. Like, I'm a limerick man. We might be champions in hurling, But when it comes to looking after people and looking after people with dementia, from my point of view, Cork is way out there. But way as well,
2: you have been honest in telling people your story. I have, yeah. And a lot of people with Alzheimer's will do that thing, as I said. The easiest thing, go in behind the front door and close it and close the curtains. You feel quite strongly and, and you're living proof of why you should st- share the story let people know what's wrong
9: uh, d- d- look the biggest thing around um dementia still is stigma right there's six thousand people in cork with dementia that's
2: a huge number there's
9: 11 it? people a day in ireland being diagnosed with dementia i work with uh, southern working group with uh, eastern working group and now thanks be to god due to the Alzheimer's Society and Claude Whelan and Helen Rutherford brennan they've started the Western Dementia Group. But, you see, I'm fierce lucky because I have Helena. But if I was at home alone on my own with no one to talk to, I honestly think I'd go off my head. I can go into a pub and can talk. I can go into a shop and can talk. Everyone knows me. And they just treat me like a normal human being. But I've had instances mm where there have been days where I haven't looked great.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors Inc.
9: I have been in a little bit of a fluster of that and I've people come up to me and just say Are you okay? Wow. Do you want to go home? Yeah. It happened inside in the pub one Sunday. On this guy I know pretty well I, I don't know him that well. I know, I, I know him to see him like yeah. not to salute him. Yeah. And I was inside in the pub and the Parkinson side of things. Was a little bit out of control. Yeah. And he came over, he put his two hands on my two legs and he said, Are you okay? So, not being meant to waste anything, I didn't want to waste a pint. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm not having a great day, but I said, Look, I finished the pint and we'll see you. I'll be sitting over there. He said, If you want to drive home, just let me know. I'll organise it. Oh, that's great. That's what it's like when people know. But when people, people didn't didn't know, so what's wrong with him? They probably think he was drunk. Is he having a feast yeah. is he drunk? No, yeah, he's or drunk. What's it? Is, is he? Is he? off on the vines? Is he going off? Yeah, head. yeah. So, like,
2: and Kevin, when it gets when it gets bad, how like how bad does it get, and, and what happens?
9: Ah, uh, the night times are um, the night times are frightening.
2: This night, is what Louis Body's the night all about. times
9: are frightening, and uh, last night was a tough enough night and. Sometimes I listen to music, sometimes I watch comedies, sometimes I get sick of it. Um, I do a bit of reading, and I was reading last night about Louis Burries, just looking looking up about it again and just thinking, is this really it, is this really what I have? And unfortunately, I do fit in the bracket. Those nights nice. you're so tired, you're so exhausted, you can't close your eyes. And when you eventually do close your eyes, when you feel that bad, you go, I go into a horrific nightmare. And like I said, the last time, I, the murder mayhem. And you wake in the morning and it takes... I can't wake in the morning and get straight out of bed. It takes 5, 10, 15 minutes. Who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? Did I do what I'm just after thinking I did? Did I murder that person? Was I shot at? You know, it's... I wake up with pains from belting fillets with clubs and hatchets and hammers and...
2: And it's very graphic, oh, isn't
9: it? it is, Unbelievable. And
2: is there anything you can
9: take? I take a tablet for hallucinations and I take three tablets for uh, my rims, rim sleep. sleep and disorder. I have the sleep apnea machine, which I find brilliant. But as they say, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. But look, the plus side of it, when I walked in this morning, right? Right, what have I to do today? OK, I'm going to Mallor, We're going to produce the messenger. Right. The smile starts to come back. Got up, wrote my article for the paper. Um, Claude had sent me down, we we're doing the coffee morning, you will go on to that in a minute, on Wednesday. She'd sent me down the flyers, called into Michael Minehan's office. He said he'll get onto to the community council. And he'll, he 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 does great work yeah. behind the scenes as well. We went to the shops, we went to the doctors, we came on here, you know. Um, You're busy, 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 busy. busy. Yeah. We're up in Dublin next Tuesday. We're speaking in Dalian on Wednesday. We're involved with so many different organisations. We talked to a lot of companies. We've been to GCAS. There's, I think, the Northern Bank of Chicago have um, a couple of offices here. We're talking to them. There's an awful lot happening. And it's all... You see, we need more advocates. Mm. We need more people. The Alzheimer's Society of Ireland... They have a free phone number, it's 1-800-341-341. They're open six days a week. Their office is in Dublin. There is only so much they can do. But if we can get advocates around the country that they can ring and say, will you go and talk here or will you go and talk there, it makes their life easier. see,
2: not everyone has the confidence that you have.
9: I didn't either this time last year, remember, I was very nervous but we're there, I'm there to help now. I know. I you know. know, and it makes—trust me—it makes, trust me, it makes <laughs> me feel so much better. I get so much out of it. And people that that have dementia, people that have a loved one with dementia—if um, you're only worried about it, you know, ask for a bit of help because it is there. The, yeah, and the stuff we can and do. And you've
2: with. mentioned Alina, your lovely wife Alina um, is is sitting beside you. Um, Good morning to you, um, Alina. You are a great advocate as well, but you're also a great advocate for carers.
10: Well, yes, of course, because um, sometimes everything and everyone and every medical person we meet are focused on the patient. And the carer can be totally forgotten about or can, you know, not intentionally. It's just the way it is. Mm. Um, But in actual fact, uh, there was a research study done by Trinity College and the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland published it. And it was called De-Stress. And it was um, a study to assess the health and well-being of spousal carers of people with dementia. And it was wonderful to see that study being done because spousal care, caring, I suppose, is maybe a more difficult... Every route is, is difficult in caring, but it's uh, 24-7. And um, what they found is uh, social isolation, loneliness, um, they lose connectedness with their friends and all of that. So I suppose, really, as a carer, what we need to get across is that really there are times when we want emotional support and emotional support from my friends doesn't cost anything. It's just a matter of going for a coffee, going for a walk with some friend, uh, you know, having a chat on the phone. Um, And it means as well, if you get emotional support, you have somebody actively listening. They're hearing. We can listen all day long, but we may not hear. And for me... On my journey as a carer, as a spousal carer, I would say that um, that emotional support was fantastic. I'm so very lucky. I have four sisters and six brothers, and they've all been wonderful. Yeah, big family. And I have a very good friend that I meet for coffee a couple of mornings a week or, you know, a couple of days a week. And especially in the early days of diagnosis, that helped me to accept. Except Kevin's diagnosis by mm. talking it out, and but do you find it, it
2: hard to leave Kevin?
10: I did yeah. Yeah, I have gone, easier. yes, I have gone past that obstacle now. There was a time when, oh sure, I can't, and he's afraid he's, like he's still afraid of being at home alone, he's afraid of the dark, he wouldn't really go out at night that much, and all and, of that, and I would fall would into you, that but you said
9: that's that's where' then. I have great neighbors, yeah. I have great friends. I, I better not. I better not, I, better, I, better, I not name and shame. Because you I've great, yeah. great neighbours and great friends, and yeah. they come and they take. They, they'll take me. They'll take me away for a couple of hours, and that gives Helena a great break. It gives me. It gives me a great break, and that's why. When, as I said, we were in Kinsale. We were in Kinsale Monday. We were in the We were in Kinsale Monday. We met uh, Liz Minahan. There was a girl there, Helena. She's teaching a group. And the course they're doing, there's a module in the group, especially for people with dementia, right? Yeah. There's a girl down there by the name of Linda Jordan. She has set up this Forget Me Not. She's doing is a bachelor's in um dementia and that. She's single-handedly going around trying to make the town dementia-friendly. Yeah. Now, Liz and Linda have agreed to come to Cantork and start to make Cantork. If we can start to make... Kentorka can sail, sir. Right? These two towns dementia friendly. Yeah, pick then, them right, as the two. And I feel safe going there. Iclandachiltie
2: like has the autism friendly status, yeah, so so can't. Killaloo Kentork- is another area.
9: Yeah. Uh, one of the shops, some of the shops in Killaloo have stickers on the door. Killaloo Belna dementia friendly communities. Yeah. When I saw that as a man having dementia to walk into that shop, I felt so safe, and that's the direction we're going in. Do you see there? Look that. I'm just showing that toolkit. Yeah. It's for it's the tones a, it's a book from, from yeah. the Alzheimer's Society. We are armed and ready to go and I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's it's a project for me and it's what keeps it's what keeps okay. me going.
2: And to anyone Kevin listening whose family member either they themselves have been given the diagnosis or a family member has been given the diagnosis of whatever type of dementia, what advice Would you give them?
9: You see, the biggest problem there is 45% of families are either ashamed or embarrassed by the fact that a member of their family has dementia. First thing I'll say is it's not contagious, right? And if you have, say if you have a large family, there's bound to be someone in that family that has that bit of compassion. Pick up the phone to the Alzheimer's Society, talk to them. Talk to me, talk to Helena, or talk to someone. And as I have said before, and like you said earlier, if I didn't come out with this, if I wasn't straight with people, I couldn't have the fantastic life I have today. I really and truly have a great life. I love going I'm, out. Well, I love why do you think people? there's so
2: much stigma with it? I mean, if you broke a leg, we'd put a plaster of Paris on it Correct. and we'd all be saying, can I sign your cast there? I don't know if they still do that anymore, do they? <laughs> but, uh, but but you know what I mean? Or, or even if, God forbid, you got cancer, we'd be talking to yeah. you, how's your chemo going? How's your radiation going? What What is it? I, is
9: it I fear? Could, look, I could be very wrong, but if you go to a doctor with a heart problem, a lung problem, a kidney problem, we'll send you to the consultant and and we'll go for tests and x-rays, and we'll see what's wrong. When you go for a problem with your brain, and please, I've nothing against psychologists or psychiatrists, we'll send you to a psychiatrist to talk about it. Wrong approach, I'm sorry. When you go to a doctor, and you're, they think that you have some form of dementia, you should be taken to your consultant. And your consultant... I honestly believe, is obliged to do a scan and see exactly what's wrong. Didn't send you out to the other people, mm. but I do think they get the cat before the horse. So therein lies, oh my God, he's dementia, oh my God, he's seeing a counsellor, he's seeing a, a psychiatrist. There's a stigma attached to that. It's
2: like the stigma attached to mental health. It's, it's, 100%. It's, it's, it's the same 100%. Thing. And Helena, what advice would you, would you give from the carer's point of view if a family member gets that What is a devastating diagnosis?
10: Well, it is actually. And um, as Kevin always repeats, that it's incurable and progressive. And I suppose the advice from my point of view would be not to keep it quiet, to talk to your friends about it and open up. And it's like, you know, that God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Once you get over that hump that you accept the things you cannot change, then you can put floodlights on the footpath that you're going to walk on. Rather than staying behind the ditch in the dark. And I suppose, you know, we have a habit of being a little bit secretive. You know, if there's Mm -hmm. a kind of, oh, it's, you know, mental health or it's a a head problem. Um, Definitely talking and discussing. Now, we've been exceptionally lucky. Kevin has a fantastic medical team. Absolutely wonderful. He got an early diagnosis. And it's been great. At least now, you know what road you're taking and what you can do to facilitate living well with dementia.
2: Yeah. And, and do, do, do you worry about the future or do you just say what will be will be?
9: This time last year, when I was in with you this time last year, my daughter Noreen was getting married in Australia. Yeah. April, 12 months. I honestly thought it was a bridge too far, that there was no way in hell I could make it. Two years down the road, no. Nah, as it stands now Noreen is getting married in 12 months time and that's the way I look at it I'm come hell or high water unless the man above takes me yeah. I'm going yeah. I am not going to miss it yeah. but to come back to come back to your point there if you're sitting at home today and you have any kind of a concern the smallest concern pick up the phone and ring that free phone numbers to the Alzheimer's Society 1-800-341-341 talk to someone talk to him just say, I have such and such of a concern. You don't have to mention any names. They're professional people. They're there to help. So confident and they're absolutely brilliant. They're okay. brilliant people.
2: And you're having a busy week this week. You we you have a coffee morning, coffee afternoon. Co-
9: uh, coffee high
2: tea. Afternoon tea or coffee. Uh, and it's in the Daily Grind Cafe, O'Brien Street in Cantor this Wednesday uh, from 3 to 4.30. and what right, You'll yeah. give a talk? Um,
9: a it's, it's going to be a little bit more informal. I'll be there. Helena will be there. Amy Murphy, um, the Southern Dementia Advisor, will, will be there. She's my dementia advisor. So
2: more informal chat. Talk. Yeah. We have, yeah it's I'll be tell
9: you the way it will be is. We'll be there. Come in, have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um We'll just introduce ourselves and that's it. There'll be no long speeches. Okay. There'll be leaflets there, right? we're available to talk to if you want to talk to us and if you don't, just pick up the leaflet.
2: And you're aiming it at anyone who has a diagnosis or anyone who's worried. Just worried. Because there are a number of people who worry about memory loss and are just fearful of getting the diagnosis. terrified. I'll put
9: it like this. I met a man in Dublin. um, he, He emailed me and I met him to give him my book. He was a man in his late 70s. Lovely, lovely guy. And he said that I don't know what to do. I think I might have dementia. I have an appointment next Wednesday, but I don't know whether I should do or not. So I said, are you worried about it? He said, I'm worried sick. And my advice to him was, go in and meet the doctor, right? If your appointment is 11 o'clock, when you walk out at half 11, you're not going to be feeling any better or any worse, but at least you'll know. And the stress you're going through right now just worrying point. about it yeah, of not knowing is worse than if you do. If uh, you do know, yeah, that's a great I, point. I'm also before, <laughs> before I finish up. I'm also going to be in Philip's bookshop in Mallow doing a book signing today. Okay, between two and a half past three. They have been brilliant, absolutely brilliant to me. And not only will I be there for a book signing, but if someone wants to come in, just Again, have a chat, I'm, or if they just want general information on dementia. I'm going to have so that as So that's Philip's well. Bookshop. Today, uh, today, two and a half, three, years.
2: Okay, and um, Helena, I spotted you on, on YouTube.
10: On You, you both gave um, a really nice talk. Yes, uh, that was Al's Talk Al's in Sligo. And the Alzheimer's Society have a YouTube channel. And um, so it's, again, to raise awareness um, for those who live with dementia and for carers who are living with the person with dementia and I suppose really strategies to cope with um, the fluctuations, I suppose for me, the fluctuations are part of uh, Lewy body dementia. So when you have Alzheimer's, you know, it's every different. Days, it's mm. totally different. Yeah. Whereas with Lewy body dementia, Kevin could be feeling very well for an hour or two in the day. And then he could be just so sick or even almost medically sick for yeah. another six hours in the day. The, so the fluctuations are very difficult to deal with because you'll be fine one minute and then he's very hard sick to plan. Minutes. The
9: Els yeah. Talks, actually, anyone that has access to YouTube, the Els Talks will blow you away because you have people there with every kind of dementia. Yeah, yeah. And you have every kind of a carer. And not only that, but you have some unbelievable young ladies. There's one particular girl in Limerick and she talks about her dad and what it was like for them. So... Even if you just want to get the basic information and see yeah. what it's like for someone. they're It covers all they're the ten minute, They're 10-minute yeah. tips. I'll tell you how powerful they are. Austra- Ireland is leading the way with them. But Australia are so impressed by them, they're considering doing them. Okay. So, like, like we, 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 are, we are some crowd, we are some nation. If we could knock the stigma in the head, get our mm. communities dementia-friendly... Our lives are going to well, be Well, like listen, these. you're
2: helping, that's for sure. Will you come back to us when the new book is out?
9: I probably can't yeah, see you again yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I have a soft spot <laughs> but, for you, but, uh, you do, we love having you
2: and uh, lots of people wanted to wish you well and people just saying how brave you are uh, Anne says I looked after a relative with Alzheimer's for 15 years I kept him at home he was so happy to be at, yeah. at home um, and people saying similar having uh, lost loved ones uh, to dementia and actually we've been talking with a woman from Wales um, Karen Penny she's walking around the whole of Ireland and oh, the whole of for Alzheimer's research I have to, and she's, yeah. I have I the other day yeah, yeah and she's, she's doing great work and like she, both of her in-laws uh, she lost both of them through uh, dementia um, but just talking about how important research is yeah you know, it's a, and it's, it's just it's getting the message out there and, and what you're doing to get the stigma to try and get over the stigma and to get people to recognise it yeah. and, and get the help that they need
9: and, but on a plus side then on a the plus side it's in the last 12 months I've seen a remarkable improvement. If we can keep going on the road we're going, I can tell you we are on the right road. Yeah. We really are on the right road. Like to see the Alzheimer's Society breaking into the west of Ireland now, that's pretty much Leinster Munster and Connacht, you know, Taking care of the this place is there. Eleven people a day, it's you know, it's a lot. Right,
2: give us the number again for the Alzheimer's. Uh 341
9: 341
2: Okay, nothing wrong with your memory, that's for sure, I'm Kevin. Listen, look after And I don't head. forget
9: the cart beat either. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Kevin and Delina Quay. Thank you both for joining us little. in the
4: studio. We've given away five grand
9: with C one oh three cash track.
8: I'm going to give you a hug, and I'm going to give you
2: 500 euro.
4: Oh, that's unbelievable.
2: Congratulations to you. You've just won for yourself 500 euro. Oh, fantastic.
4: You've just won 500 euro. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. Can't so much. How about 500 euro richer,
8: kind of better? that bother you. Yeah. You are Ooh. caller number 50. Oh, that's it's our way of saying thank you for listening
4: to C103. With Cavanagh's, the new name for Ford and Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Cavanagh's.com. C103, cash
8: tracks.
4: Stay listening for our next big giveaway. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Firstly, on the gentleman who sent in the WhatsApp earlier, who was just wondering and wanting to know you know has common sense gone out the window what a bit of give and take this was the gentleman who was in Clonakilty on Valentine's evening he was driving down the main street in Clonakilty when his mobile phone rang so he did the right thing he pulled in in the car to take the call which he says lasted two minutes and while he was parked he noticed he was just very close to an ATM he needed to get some money out, so i said, oh, I'll pop out and get the money out of the ATM um, as he got out of the car a member from Gardarshire Corner approached him and said the back half of your car is parked on a disabled space he's really sorry didn't realise that got back into the car and moved parked in, in a different spot the guard actually thanked him for moving the car wished him a happy journey off he went and then eight days later a a parking fine in the post from a guy that she for 150 euro, the guy that had obviously taken the registration number but didn't say anything. I think that's the that's the bit that really gets to me. I mean, the guy that could argue he was half parked on a disabled parking bay and he should have been paid more attention. I mean, to me, what happened there was it's the mobile phone rings Oh, I need to take that call. Oh, quick, where's the parking space? Oh, parking space one, and yeah, not that you're not looking, but you're just not concentrating 100 percent as you would be if you were just driving down the town looking for a parking space, you never, hopefully, were parking in a disabled parking bay. Didn't realise that the back half of the car was obviously in front. He wasn't on the full bay. So what he was looking out at was a parking space. Didn't realise where the back half of the car was. I I I still think the they should have said, you know, sorry, you've broken the law. I'm giving you a ticket but he didn't and then it was eight days later to get that in the post Okay, some of your thoughts on this Heidi says Oh Patricia that guy that got the ticket I would have challenged that if it happened to me I wonder if he's got a dash cam. Because if he had a dash cam in the car that records voice, surely that would help the man to challenge it. It's sad to think uh, that this could happen. It's certainly not good for the public image of Angarda Shia Kona. And Dick says, What is it with Temple Moore? Civilized people go in for X period of weeks, guard the training, and they come out completely different people all together. Well, actually. Uh, I was out on Friday night and we got a taxi back from the city back to uh, Mallow and as we were coming out the Commons Road, the flashing blue lights and the taxi driver pulled in and it was a female member, of uh, Van Garda corner saying you're speeding, that he was doing 77 miles in a 50 mile zone. The taxi driver was apologetic, said he didn't realise it and she even said, I know this is a good open road but it is a 50 kilometre zone and you were doing 77 and he said, well I slowed down when, you know, he said I didn't realise I was doing 77 and I was deliberately made sure I was doing 50 kilometres, I passed here but he, obviously they had clocked it on the speedometer, the speed." gun that they use as he was pulling out on the Commons Road so she started taking his details and then said to him do you have any other penalty points and he said I'll be very honest with you he said I have 9 penalty points so I was thinking Nine, three, oh god he's off the road so he said if you give me 3 penalty points tonight I'm gone I'm off the road so she took all his details and said I'll check it out in the system to see what his other penalty points were for and then I, what I thought was really good was she said, give me your mobile telephone number so I will call you and tell you what I'm going to do and whether she was either going to let it go or whether she was going to issue him f- with the speeding ticket and the subsequent penalty points, which means he was going to be out of a job. And I thought that was decent of her. Now, I don't know what happened. Taxi driver obviously was quite upset, but he, dro- he, he dropped us home. And so I don't know what has happened. I mean... <laughs> I felt that she was going to give him a chance because it was a very it is a very wide stretch of road. It was about one o'clock in the morning. there was nobody really around i'm not no, justifying the, the speeding i didn't realize that he was even doing didn't, doing seventy seven in a fifty kilometer uh zone and i I felt that she might give him a chance but as I say I don't know but if she does I think that's you know then some would say he was speeding and if he's speeding he's speeding but then he's a taxi driver and he will be off the road and that will be it. Uh, his licence will be gone. Okay back to the, the ticket for the, dis- the disabled parking bay though Texter says if that gentleman you mentioned about being parked in a disabled parking bay was sitting in the vehicle and the engine was running is he actually parked by the way, I thoroughly disagree with anybody parking on a disabled parking bay if they don't need to permit or not. I'm guilty of parking as close to where I'm going as is physically possible, but I would never in any circumstances park on a disabled parking bay. The gentleman should put the fine, put it in the house generated summons, put the in-house generated summons I'm sorry put the in-house generated summons back into the envelope and write return to sender across it and put it back in the letterbox yeah but then that, that's he'll end up getting double or triple final end up before the courts it's been issued if he wants to fight it and I don't know if he would be able to fight it but certainly just saying return to sender that will that will come back to haunt him that is for sure and then um Drinking and driving and losing your license and all of that. John says, anyone caught for drinking and driving, I would wel- I would welcome them to the club as I have been there. Don't do it. And that's from John, who obviously lost his license at some stage for drinking and driving. Sandy says, in the U.S. of A, a driver losing the license on a borderline margin can drive to and from work on a curfew plus limited mileage basis plus. They can drive as part of work in some states. I don't agree with license loss as they operated here in this country. A fine based on revenue, audited income, would be a much better deterrent. Penalty points are operated now as an insurance company licensed to print money. In my opinion, an audit threat would be a sobering thought says uh, Sandy. That is, that's I wonder how people would feel feel if so you would have a choice. You're either off the road or, depending on how much you earn, say off the top of our head, 10%, you give up 10% of your income for that year because you were caught drink driving. Is that a better deterrent than being told you'll be off the road for three months? Sandy reckons that that would act, that would actually make people stop if if you were told 10% of whatever you earn, if you get caught drinking and driving, you'll hang on to your licence, you won't get penalty points, but by God, it'll cost you and it'll be 10% of your income. And then obviously, if you're caught again, it will go up to 15% of your income and on and on it we go. Would hitting people where it hurts basically hitting people in the pocket is that a better deterrent than saying to somebody I'm going to take your licence away from you would welcome your thoughts on that 1850 at uh, 333103 can I go back to posters please some people on about posters Mary says Patricia does anybody think about health and uh, safety? The ESB clearly say there should be no posters on any of their polls. Why is that not enforced, says Mary? Mary has noticed that some election posters do go up on ESB polls, even though the ESB say that it's a very dangerous thing uh, to do. Is it enforced? Mary reckons it's not. Emer Inkinsale says... What do people think of the posters on the entrance to all towns advertising businesses and community events? Emma says, I support all local businesses and events, but these posters can be distracting. They can also block the views of some junctions. If you're going to be discussing and talking about having a poster free election, so why not have similar rules for these type of posters? And there are already rules around they are illegal and every now and again the council will go out and will enforce that and those posters will be uh, removed because countless times we've had organisations contact us, particularly community and voluntary organisations and charity groups who are trying to do a bit of fundraising and they'll put posters out and then all the posters will disappear. and. On some of the occasions people thought that they had been stolen and then as it turned out it wasn't. It was the council that collected them and they were somewhere in a council yard for collection and they're deemed littering. I think you can get permission from the council to put up certain type of posters in certain areas but certainly if they're at a junction and blocking views and wait and see coming up to May when the election posters go up I can guarantee you we will get calls in from people in areas where there's a junction and... Candidates will be putting up posters too close to the junction and will be blocking pe- people's views. You can put money on it. We'll have calls in uh, about it. 1850 and John in Cove. This is on my taxi driver who got caught for speeding bringing me home on Friday night. John says, I feel the taxi drivers are now rushing around as fast as they can. They're trying to make the next fare to make the next buck. I was nearly blown off the road by taxi drivers. When I was in the city on uh, Saturday night. So John in Cove has absolutely no sympathy for my taxi driver who already has nine points. And if he picked up three from Friday, Friday night, God, he'll remember driving me home, won't he? Then he is simply off the road. And we're just getting reports in, by the way, that the Department of Health has been evacuated. This is the Department of Health on Bagot Street in Dublin has been evacuated after a suspicious package was sent to the health minister and all of Bagot Street lower has been closed off and emergency services are now attending. Good God, but isn't Simon Harris as Minister for Health. I know Minister for Health are, you know, traditionally it's probably one of the worst portfolios you can get. They are always disliked, hated is too strong a word, loathed by some. But certainly I've never known a a Minister for Health who people would say, God, he's a great man that we really liked. It's just one of the toughest portfolios. But the current Minister for Health, Simon Harris, bloody hell is there a big hate campaign against that man. Anyway, that's the latest breaking story that the Department of Health evacuated after a suspicious package and the package was sent to uh, Minister Simon Harris. If we have more on that uh, story, uh, we'll bring it to you. If not, no doubt, we'll have an update in the news at one o'clock. 1850,
1: 333103, lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County
4: Council, supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
2: Little Steps, that's a group for families bereaved by suicide they meet on the first Monday of every month in the new U Clinic in Bantry and they will be um, meeting tonight being the first Monday of the month from half six to half past eight you're invited to join them for a cuppa a chat and a friendly listening ear Drum Tariff annual retreat to Ardfert the organisers of that have been in contact to say that's been cancelled this year due to unforeseen circumstances so will not go ahead tickets are now available for the Ballyhay Goes Dancing that takes place in the Charleville Park Hotel on Saturday the sixteenth of March. Tickets are on sale from Ballyhay National School, Costcutter's Shop, Corber Court Restaurant, and the Charleville Park Hotel. And a monster one thousand euro bingo for baby Emily Toll, who suffers from TAR syndrome and has to go to America for treatment. That will be held in the Parkway. Hotel in Dunmanway and it'll be held tomorrow night, Tuesday at half past eight. There will also be a raffle and you're please asked to support. St Luke's Charity are hosting a free course for family members of those diagnosed with dementia. That starts this Wednesday in the North Ridge House Education Centre in Maham. If you'd like to book your place, call 021 4359444. And the monthly mass in honour of St. Pio in St. Joseph's Church in Ismire will be held on this Wednesday. All are
7: welcome.
1: This is the Court Today replay on C103. The
2: deadline for nominations for this year's Cork County Mayor's Community Awards has been extended to this Thursday, the 7th of March. The current Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy, joins me with more about these very special awards. Good afternoon to you, Patrick.
7: Good afternoon, uh, How are
2: you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the program. Now, this is the seventh Thank year you. of this uh, scheme. Explain to us, for those who have who are unaware of these awards, who do, who the okay. awards actually recognise, who they help to recognise.
5: Okay, I suppose county Council has a strong relationship with many community groups in in, in Car County, and I suppose seven years ago. We got the idea that it would be good to kind of give awards to those who give serious commitment to their communities, our heroes within their communities, really, and, it's, and also groups that are heroes within their communities and do Trojan work uh, for their communities and on, on behalf of their communities. So this idea was was, was, um, was gestated, and um, we came up with the County Mayor's Awards to give back some recognition to those who go above and beyond the call of duty for their communities.
2: And it can be individuals and our
4: groups
5: yes there's a there's, there's you've got the wars from the west north and south and and there's there's um individual winner in the west and and a group of winner in the west and the same in the north the same in the south and then there's one overall uh winner in the north uh, sorry one overall county winner then as well uh, and one overall county group winner
2: and they're voluntary organizations are there or charity groups
5: yeah, look. I suppose I, I happened to, to be lucky enough to nominate last year's Winners, which is Cancer Connect, were nominated and chosen as the overall county group winners um, community group winners for the service they deliver to transporting
2: people with um, for treatment to see and to the Mercy. Um, they're, an amaz- they're an amazing, they're an amazing organisation.
5: Yeah, and they they won. I think people were blown away with what they were doing, and they won one hand stone last year. I, and I was lucky enough that it was I nominated. Well done. Uh,
2: and I always feel year, about cancer. Yeah. Cancer Connect is one of those organisations that unless you need their services, people are, have a tendency to be unaware of the great work that they do. It's only when that touches correct. your family and your lives that's, that you realise, my correct. God, these are incredible people.
5: Incredible. Although, Patricia, it's touching everybody's lives these days. That's the, 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 yeah. the, the sad fact about it. There's very few who, who don't have to, I suppose, feel love and go through treatment. So the stage of the game You know.
2: And what I like about these awards, uh, Patrick, they really are for people who rarely get recognised. For many, they go about their voluntary work quietly.
5: Yes, they they they, they tip away on the ground. A lot of them don't even want to be nominated. They're nominated by people who think that are by the community who think they've done serious work. They never seek these nominations. or never, you know, covet them at all. Uh, but the communities they represent decide that you know they have done so much for us that we put them forward, and uh, it's it's great to see. Um, them being recognised, um, kind of unsung heroes in a way.
2: Can anybody make a nomination?
5: It has to be done through the Public Participation, participation Network, okay. or through your local coun your local councillors. So they're the vehicles to nomination. You've got PPNs, Public Participation Network members around around the county, and um, uh, from each of the divisions. And there's also your all your local councillors. All all the local councillors can can nominate as well.
2: So you can, what, is there a form or do people just write down why yeah. they why they think the person well, is
5: worthy? Like if you want to send an email to your local PPN rep or to your local councillor saying, look, I think this person should be nominated, um, then, you know, they'll, they'll take that into consideration and hopefully nominate that person, you know. Um, but it'd be great to, to get the nominees in um, to, um, I suppose, to, to you know, to have a, a broad flavour of what people are doing out there and to to pick the, the most deserving winners.
2: How are the winners selected, and who has that
5: tough there's, job? Uh, a, a tough job, yeah. Judging panel, in each of the divisions picks the local, the, the divisional winners, and then there's an overall judging panel in county, all made up of, you know, the public participation network, an outside body, um, the mayor himself, my, myself, and the chief executive would would sit on the final judging panel. That's for the overall. The, the local winners are are, are, are taken from uh, the ground, you know the senior executive officer and a PP in the Rep and the chairman of the Western Division. Okay.
2: And the closing date is this Thursday? Thursday. I think it's five o'clock or something. So if, if you would like to nominate somebody get on to uh, your Rep or your local councillor and do it ASAP. Get working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, um, uh, Patrick. Thank you for that. Actually, just while we have you on the line, no we, we were talking yeah. about posters earlier on. What's your view on, on poster free?
5: Uh, poster, I, I'm certainly... I'm Anti-posters in towns and villages. To be honest, I'm seriously against that, um, and I probably won't be doing that this time round. I, 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 I don't. Um, I think they kind of just take from the, the 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 vista of the town and the and the beauty of a town that we're having all these posters up and around. So I, I I'm not going to do that. But I suppose there, you have to have your face out there somewhere.
7: Yeah.
5: Um, and maybe maybe some large ones. Are, you know, um, that's, the, that's the approach I'm going to be taking. Um, you, you okay. Know. All right. Um, okay. And you, you know, you you. I suppose you heard about the strategic investment fund. the the the, borrowing, the strategic uh, loan framework. That yeah,
2: learned. it's a hundred and thirty yeah. million to be borrowed by, million, by Cork yeah, County by Council. Say it quickly. And it, doesn't, year, it doesn't nine, sound too much. What's the money going to be spent on?
5: Oh, local projects, with village renewal. Um, Coastal infrastructure, um, um, relief roads—it's a it's significant amount of money, especially when we have the power to spend it on what we want to spend it on. Uh, Patricia, you know, quite often the, the grand schemes from Dublin—we send up applications and they pick and choose what we spend it on. Whereas this is in the destiny of the of the of the management, uh, the executive, and the councillors themselves to pick and choose what projects they think are most important for the development of the Cork region. You know.
2: Has this Um, ever been done uh, before, that the council has borrowed this? uh,
5: Limerick Limerick borrowed it it for a specific office block complex in in Limerick, and Fingal did some Specific project, but we have submitted our 48 projects to the European Central, to, to the, the European Investment Bank and to the, ba- the Community Bank of Europe uh, for approval, and they have said that yes, the 48 projects are, 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 are bona fide, and we will, we will grant them. And they're going, that's going through their loan evaluation committee next uh, in, in April, and, yeah, and uh, we have you know a rolling framework of three every three years we'll be spending whatever it is uh, 40. Odd million, um, but I think it's, it's it's a huge huge plus because we're doing it in such a way that uh, we get to do to pick and choose what we think is most part for our country. Um,
2: but the money will have to be paid huge. back.
5: It'll have to be paid back, but it's at zero interest rate at the moment, and don't you worry, the European Investment Bank. Don't give money to people that don't, (laughs) you know, please can can pay it back, as you well know. Uh, So we be very confident that within our uh, borrowing framework, we'll be able to repay that loan over a long, over an extended period of time. When do you expect?
2: When do you expect the first tranche of money?
5: Expect kind of autumn time. We're thinking, looking at September. I think by the time deeper have to sign off the environment, the finance have to sign off the environment have to sign off. and obviously the to go through the loan approval or the loan approvals and um, committee of the European Investment Bank and the Community Bank of Europe. So um that should take a couple of months. But I would imagine September, you know, all the signs are looking quite good. All 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 our negotiations have have been very, very positive and I don't see it, uh, it comes to line. Okay. Hopefully, be able to start spending that money in the
2: autumn. Okay, we look forward to seeing the money being spent, uh, Patrick. We leave it there. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Bye bye. That is the Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy. On the poster, thing as I just mentioned it to, to Patrick as well. The we've had a we have a Twitter poll running on our C103 Twitter feed. We've had it running all morning, asking people to vote. Would they like poster-free towns and villages ahead of the European and the local elections? 80% of people voted yes, they want no posters. And 20% of people like looking at all of the candidates when they're driving to and from work and about their business. On drink driving, Vincent in Newmarket says, drink driving isn't a big a problem as it once was, according to Vincent. Well, this certainly when it comes to deaths on our uh, roads. The statistics for 2017, says Vincent, 6% of people who were killed on our roads was a direct result of drink driving. So, what of the other 94%? Vincent said recently on your guard file, they were, whatever guard that was presenting it, was making an appeal for pedestrians when they were out walking to make sure that they had high-vis jackets on and to be careful because there was an increase in those dying on our roads while out walking. Vincent records, it's speed, speed that is killing people not drinking and driving yet all the focus seems to be on Drinking and driving and stopping people drinking and driving. What are we doing about speed? Um, ponders Vincent. And actually, somebody was on to us earlier this morning uh, saying, Could we put it out there? Where's that gone? Saying, Patricia. Uh, bum, bum bum. Someone was asking. Maybe it came in by WhatsApp. Sorry, there's just so many texts coming in. I've I've actually lost it. Anyway, it was somebody who was asking. Here it is. It's from John. Uh, bright and early this morning. Thank you, John, for your WhatsApp, uh, Patricia. What are your thoughts and your listeners' thoughts on pedestrians who don't wear high vis ve- vests either day or night when they're out walking? They are essential during the day as they are by night. From a driver's point of view, it should be mandatory for pedestrians to wear high-vis jackets uh, 24-7, would other listeners agree? Would you think you would make it mandatory? Start fining people if they don 't have them another you know, revenue stream for you? Uh, should all pedestrians at all times if you 're out walking, should you always have a high vis vest uh, on and Anthony says the echo is no more. The evening echo is no more. What will the guys do? The echo boys were, Anthony, I can tell you the echo boys were out this morning in great voice, shouting echo, echo, echo!" They were out early this morning rather than being out uh, this evening. Okay, we need to take a break. If you have questions for Annalise Dracel, our nutritional therapist, please get them into us because Anneliese, uh joining us after the break. 18.50, 333 text or WhatsApp eight six two. 103,
6: 103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for drive time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day.
1: And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the
2: Cork Today replay on C103. Annalise Dressel from the Health Hub Times Square in Balencolic uh, joining me on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. And Patrick. I can straight away see a question in saying, Could you ask Annalise any update, please, on what's happening with the VAT at 23%? Uh, we know it was meant to, we spoke with Annalise last week, we know it was meant to go through on Friday and it's been put off until November. Anything happened since?
1: Nothing happened since then, Patricia, okay. and nothing much will happen, I reckon, until they meet in June. Um, I think that's the date that's set so basically there's a number of things that need to be legislated for um, and what the VAT rate f- should be so the VAT rate on health supplements has been postponed and put in with that lot so I do think we need to still kind of activate and push and promote because we what we really need the government to do in the next budget is to say that health supplements should be 0% VAT mm. and that should that should form then the legislation around it and then hopefully it won't go through as planned in November. But, I mean, it's unprecedented as well that anything would go from 0% to 23%. So, um, hopefully, hopefully they'll they'll, um, continue to... Like, our local TDs will continue to represent our interests, and I'm still gathering signatures, and I'm still going, you know, a full steam ahead, kind of with petitioning, thinking that we still have a bit of work ahead of us.
2: Yeah, I mean, as you know, I mentioned it last week, the battle has been won, but the war certainly isn't over. Exactly. exactly. Okay let's get straight into questions Mary was on A woman in my 70s and my hair is very fine What shampoo can I use to thicken up my hair?
1: So okay so that's a good question Because a lot of people will come in Patricia With thinning hair as well And say what shampoo should I use? So generally I think if you want to thicken your hair up You really want to improve the quality from within Now if your hair is very thin naturally anyway a shampoo that doesn't leave a residue on your hair—that is a kind of a, a film that covers over your hair. A lot of conditioners would do that. It can make it very limp and look your hair make your hair look a lot thinner. And there's a very good shampoo that can help with that. Called um, I think it's by a Jason's Thick and Thin. That's exactly what it's called. A Jason's Thick and Thin. You'll get it in a health shop, and it's, I, I get good feedback from my customers for that. But the other thing you might like to try is thickening it from the inside by taking a natural supplement. So the two best ones that work for improving hair quality are biotin, which is one of the B vitamins, but you need it in very high amounts to thicken your hair and nails. That's spelled B-I-O-T-I-N. And you will get that in a health store as well. And the other thing that's great is horsetail. Now, horsetail, actually, we'd often see growing in the verges in the summertime And it looks exactly like a kind of a tail of a horse. And that's very high in a chemical called silica. And that silica is beautiful for your hair and nails. It makes it lovely and shiny. So horsetail supplement, you can get it as a tea or you can get it as a tablet and again that'll that'll be in your health stores.
2: Okay, and stay with an older lady because uh, an, 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 an older lady a bit embarrassed asking this question um, and obviously you might find it hard to even go into, a, go into a shop and ask about it but I was wondering about women's women's personal dryness and could you suggest a supplement that would help?
1: Yeah, so that's very common Patricia for women, particularly after menopause and um, generally, the doctors will prescribe a kind of a hormone treatment that can be inserted to prevent dryness. Um, but that can also cause multiple problems. So I think it's best to try and do it with a natural cream. You need to look for something that has wild it, And that is a kind of progesterone mimicking herb and it's very gentle. And um, if that lady would like to call into the shop, I can show her a product that I've had very good feedback on from my own customers. The other option, then, of course, would be to take, if it is down to, um, you know, if it's happened around the time and after menopause, taking a, a plant based estrogen can sometimes help. Um, so these would be the, like um, found generally in lentils and some in seeds as well, particularly linseeds. Soya also would be a, a natural source of plant estrogens. And you can buy those in foods or you can buy them in supplement form, and that can work to kind of stimulate or mimic oestrogen within your body and that can help with dryness as well.
2: Okay, and a couple of questions in on pretty much the same issue. Advice, please, around the best cooking oil uh, to use with one listener saying is is olive oil the best to fry with normal olive oil or extra virgin olive oil? Could Annelise talk about cooking oils, please?
1: Yeah, and again, Patricia, there's so much misinformation about oil out there and what to cook with. And, I mean, we would have been, I suppose, frying with sunflower oil for years in this country. I know my mum used that when we were growing up. So, really, the plant-based oils are very high in polyunsaturated fats that become easily damaged by heat. So, when they become damaged, they get converted from polyunsaturated into a form called trans fats. And these trans fats are much more dangerous for your heart they even reckon it's like smoking cigarettes. So any plant-based oil like sunflower seed, canola, these polyunsaturated ones, they're not too good to cook with at high temperatures. So what you're really looking for is one that is high in monounsaturated fats um, or saturated fat. So olive oil would be very good um, for monounsaturated fats. Coconut oil and butter and rapeseed oil are much higher in monounsaturated and saturated. These are much harder to damage at high heat. So they're safer. They don't get converted into the trans fats. Personally, I fry with a bit of um, olive oil and a bit of butter. If I'm frying, I mix the two of them. I'd also use some lovely um, Irish rapeseed oil um, on the market for the last couple of years. I often often would use that as well. Coconut oil, I don't like to use, Patricia, because it's so smoky. Um, It Mm. it stinks up the kitchen. So I don't use that typically for frying. But some people would use it for stir-fries um you know they, they don't mind the coconutty taste that can work very well so any of those are good for frying, and um, or virgin or extra virgin. I think in in the Mediterranean countries, I don't think they use the really good quality extra virgin to fry with.
2: No, because they, they just, see it as a waste.
1: They think it's a waste. Yeah, exactly. they,
2: they use they it just, to just pour, pour the on one. their food. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, what is the cause of a sore in the mouth, lip, and tongue area? And Maria, and a different listener has reoccurring mouth ulcers. The doctor says can't do anything for it. What would Annalise suggest? And we put the two of those together.
1: Okay, so there's different things that can affect um, the you know cause pain and and problems within the mouth. One of th- one of the problems could be a deficiency of a B vitamin. It's called glossitis, and that would be if the tongue was very kind of swollen and tender. So a B complex is always a good place to start. I think if you're getting a lot of mouth ulcers. Vitamin C and zinc combined is a good uh, supplement to take internally because vitamin C is very important for collagen and, and, vitamin as, and zinc is very important for wound healing. So particularly for the mouth, I think the combination of that would work. But in my experience, I find that mouth ulcers are um, either as a reaction to something, which could be something you're eating or possibly could be your toothpaste. And we've discussed this actually before on the program, Patricia, the sodium lauryl sulfate in toothpaste can cause problems for many people. So switching to a natural toothpaste that has no sodium lauryl sulfate in it could just be the solution. Um, And then if you still get them, if you're run down, that's another reason you would get mouth ulcers. Using, um, again, using a a non-sodium lauryl sulfate toothpaste, but also to spray with a colloidal silver spray. You'll get this in any health shop. And what it is, it's like the nanoparticles of silver suspended in Um, a sterile water solution and silver is a very very strong antibacterial antiviral antifungal agent and it's brilliant for healing so it's great to remember Patricia, years ago, we used to have the macurochrome.
7: Yeah, yeah. That
1: was because the mercury in it was brilliant for disinfecting the wound. Now, since then, they discovered mercury poisoning uh, was a major issue for people using too much mercurochrome. But with the silver and the silver colloidal silver spray, it's, they're such tiny, tiny particles that it can't really um, cause any harm. And it does exactly the same thing and encourages healing as well. So I would try that combination.
2: Okay, Mary has restless legs. They're so bad. She has to get up at 3 a.m. in the morning, uh, put her legs into a bath, run ice cold water. It's the only thing that relaxes them. She went to the doctor. The doctor gave her tablets called Meripixin tablets. They didn't work. She also got magnesium tablets from the health shop. They didn't work. Uh, She said the only thing she finds is the ice cold water, which isn't ideal. Any other recommendations?
1: Um, So they can, the restless legs are awful Patricia I don't know if you've ever had a bout of restless legs No
2: but we've we've discussed it enough here we hear a lot of people suffer with it
1: It's very common and actually to be honest most of the time taking a magnesium supplement or using the magnesium oil spray or gel on the legs is the answer Sometimes it can be down to a hormonal imbalance especially around menopause it's quite common women would start suffering it so if that's the case Dealing with the hormone imbalance would be the key there. Sometimes it could be down to an iron deficiency. So I don't know if this lady had her bloods checked recently. It might be no harm to do um, a, a tonic of iron with some B vitamins in there just to cover the base of the B vitamins. The other question I'd ask is what type of magnesium um, that lady was taking because some magnesiums are very hard to absorb, into the body and especially if you've got IBS or if your digestive system isn't very strong it can end up actually causing quite a, a loose stool and a loose bowel movement and that means you're not absorbing enough of it into the system so the best one I think for absorption is one called um, magnesium Uh it's spelled b-i-g-l-y-c-i-n-a-t-e biglycinate. that's very well absorbed uh, another version is magnesium malate M-A-L-A-T-E so she could possibly try a different version of the magnesium and use the magnesium gel and if it's hormonal tell her to call into her local health shop possibly they might be able to help with that um, and if something like ice cold water helps with it maybe using a cooling gel uh, with wintergreen in it going to bed might just give yeah, her a little bit of temporary yeah, relief.
2: And somebody said and I've heard this suggestion before, a bar of soap in bed at night works for me and that's come up before it works for some people, it not has. for everybody
1: and another another one as well, Patricia was um, putting an onion in the bed, yeah. if you've got the flu.
2: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. some of those kids, old those yeah. old those old tricks, the old folks tales um they work uh, Margaret says, Patricia, could you ask Annalise, please, what's the best treatment for headlights? My grandchildren have them again, and wait for this. I ended up with them, says Margaret. I seem to be the only adult that picks them up oh. I'm, I'm scratching now straight away I'm scratching Head lice <laughs> <laughs> It
1: is awful Yeah and it's really common because what happens in schools um, is that they just pass from one to the other So really ideally what should be happening in schools is parents should be probably treating their kids every second week whether they think they've got lice or not just as a preventative so the lice shampoos that you'll buy in the pharmacies have quite strong chemicals in them. And the problem now is that the lice have become and the nits have become resistant to those chemicals. So they don't uh, they don't work as efficiently. Uh, the natural treatment, and again, I get very, very good feedback on this product. Um, it's a, a neem type of a, a shampoo product. It's called Licener, L-I-C-E-N-E-R. And it's a shampoo. There's no dangerous chemicals in it. Um, So it's not something that they can become resistant to over time. Um, So I think that's a great one to use, especially small kids. I hate the idea of those chemicals being put onto small children's heads on a regular basis. And then really you have to comb, unfortunately. It just means taking the time to comb out hair, which is a nightmare considering the fashion now for long hair. Um, It takes ages. But if you comb out the hair regularly, that will remove eggs as well. And then the last tip I would give would be to spray a little tea tree oil or neem oil at the back of the neck and behind the ears every day going off into class because when they, um, lice, jump from one head to the other, they tend to land at the back of the neck. So if they don't like that smell, so... Um, It just might help prevent a reinfection.
2: They'll hop on to somebody else and say the horsetail supplement that you spoke about. Do you sell that in the Health Hub? Somebody wants to know? Yes, I have it in the Health
1: Hub and you should be able to get it in a tea in most places.
2: Okay, Mary wants to know how much beetroot juice should you be drinking to lower your blood pressure?
1: Oh, I don't know really, Patricia. It's kind of very individual. Um, I'd say that you'd probably want to be taking at least two fresh beetroots per day anyway. If you threw in a head of celery with that or even a half a head of celery, it would work far better. Um, you could put in a bit of apple juice and ginger as well. The ginger would be brilliant for, um, as an anti-inflammatory too. So, um, you know what, Patricia, it's a matter of kind of drinking that much for a while and seeing does it affect your blood pressure and, and then playing around with it yourself to see what the maintenance will be. Everybody will be very different and depending on the circumstances of their life and stress and diet, they may need more or less but, you know, it can be a nuisance sometimes using the, um, the fresh beetroot, even though it's the best. So maybe a trick could be that um, you would buy beetroot powder and you could put a couple of spoons of that in um, to a juice and just drink it down quickly. And that might be a faster way of getting it into you every single day.
7: OK, and a
2: final one, any cure for nail fungus?
1: Yeah, the best one I've found is, now a lot of people will talk about tea tree oil working. Um, Oregano oil is another very powerful natural antifungal. Um, But the one I like the most is the grapefruit seed extract. It comes in drops and it's literally the extract of the seeds of a grapefruit. It's a very good natural antifungal. And you can apply it onto a a dampened cotton wool ball and just kind of dab it around the nail area but you should also soak the feet or the hands a couple of times a week in warm water with plenty of the drops in it so it soaks right in under the nail. And do it regularly and bear with it because you have to remember, it takes about six weeks from the nail to grow from the bed all the way up. So what you're looking to see is the new nail coming up being healthy because it's not going to reverse the fungus on the existing nail, it just needs to grow out and be cut off.
2: Okay, look, have a great week and we'll talk to you again next week, Thanks, next Patricia. Monday. Thanks for joining us Annalise Trussell, the health, health Hub Times Square in Find a couple of comments in and says, Patricia, uh, people wearing high-vis vests when out walking and somebody suggesting they should be fined, please don't introduce that it would be another government gimmick what they should do instead is fine them but donate the money to charity. Uh, don't Give it back to the government, John says. Patricia, I'm constantly passing the fellows walking home the roads after the pubs close, and all of them wearing dark clothes. I've nearly knocked them down on some occasions. Uh, two weeks ago, I got a terrible fright. So very much in favour of making it compulsory for people to wear high-vis jackets. And on the Garda that gave one of our listeners the parking ticket for parking in the disabled parking bay, even though he didn't realise that the back part of the car was on it, Sheila says, that's so mean of the Garda who sent the fine to the man whose back wheels were in the disabled parking space. Uh, I feel that Garda stooped very low. They avail, they, some of the guardi avail of the easy catch rather than confront uh, criminals. I thought it was very mean, says uh, Sheila. And there's a mixed reaction, I have to say, on that. Some are saying the guardi was right, he was parked on the disabled bay he shouldn't have been even if it was done in error, uh, and others see it as being uh, a little bit uh, mean and Anne says Patricia the lady with the restless legs tell her to try some tonic water before going to bed as the quinine in it helps stop restless legs well it works for me says Anne thank you uh, Anne for that ok that's where I leave you for today my thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for producing Nick is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia message
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health, Right at home.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years.